Hear now the word of God as it comes to us from John's Gospel, chapter 1. I read from the 29th verse. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and declared, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. The next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples. And as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Peter. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. What a joy it is to be with you, finally, friends. After the months of anticipation, we are absolutely delighted, Lee and I, to have come to be with you here at Hyde Park UMC. And I must express our deepest gratitude for the incredible welcome that's already been extended to us. From the very moment when Glenn and Ellen Simpson met us at the airport, we have experienced the warm-hearted welcome of this place in beautiful ways. There has been so much love and kindness that has been showered upon us, and we really are feeling at home. And so we want to say thank you to all of you for your part in that. I must pay special tribute to Mary McNeil and her team who did an absolutely remarkable job in getting the parsonage ready for us, uh, blew us away. Uh, and so we are happily settled there. There have been so many gestures of thoughtfulness and consideration and kindness. Uh, and so we are so grateful for that. Um, I've got one picture that I want to put up on the screen that illustrates something of the consideration. That's our cat, Fizz, who's made it all across the ocean. And he's in his very own custom-made designer Gasparilla bed. If you look... <laughs> If you look very carefully, you'll see that on the fabric, all of the kitty cats are dressed as pirates. And Fizz, of course, has assumed the position as captain of the ship. So he is ready and raring to go. 
I must tell you that he's very impressed with the size of the mice here in Tampa. <laughs> Quite intrigued that they've got such bushy tails and scurry up and down trees. <laughs> so, uh, but we're all settling in and finding, finding our feet. I must tell you that all of you guys drive on the wrong side of the road. Uh, and as I've been uh, navigating my way, whenever I try to change gears manually, I end up opening the window of the car. <laughs> but we're absolutely thrilled to be with you and are so grateful to the many people who have played a part in enabling this to happen. And our deep prayer and hope is that over these next 40 or so weeks that we are with you, that it's going to be an experience of life for us all. And so I'd ask you to now bow your heads with me in a moment of prayer. Let us pray. And now, O oh Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Sauerbrunner. That's the standard greeting in Isizulu, one of the African languages spoken in South Africa. It literally means, I see you. Isn't that a great way to say hello? Sauerbrunner, I see you. Imagine how different our world would be if that were literally true of every encounter we had with others, if we were able to see people for who they really were and be seen by them in return. Imagine what would happen if we developed the capacity to recognize the beauty, the potential, the sacred worth in every single person that we met. As Desmond Tutu puts it, the appropriate gesture when we meet anybody is to genuflect, to make the sign of the cross, if not outwardly, then certainly inwardly in our hearts, in recognition that we are in the presence of holiness, that what we are witnessing before our very eyes is a matchless, marvelous, miraculous expression of the image of God in which we have all been made. This is what happens for a mother and father as they gaze upon their newborn child for the first time and are overcome with feelings of awe and wonder and indescribable joy. As a church family, we rejoice that this is what's happening even now for Danny and Amber as their eyes feast on precious little Ivy Grace born just a couple of days ago. It happens, of course, for grannies and grandpas too, as many of you can attest from personal experience. And as you know, it is very good. As they say, children or grandchildren are the reward you get for not murdering your teenagers. <laughs> the truth, of course, is that once you have seen somebody in that kind of way, there is a bond between you that changes you both forever. 
In fact, the psychologists and neurologists now tell us that those long, loving gazes between a mother and child are essential for the child's healthy development. Isn't that fascinating? That one of our deepest and earliest needs as people is quite simply to be seen, to be held in a loving gaze for someone to be able to say to us truly, Sauerbohne. If only this kind of seeing could happen more and more in our world. Think of the difference it would make to marriages, families, churches. Think how the Middle East would be transformed if Israelis and Palestinians could find the capacity or is it the willingness to say to each other, Sauerbohne, to recognize each other as cherished children of God and therefore sisters and brothers, each one. Indeed, every situation of conflict and violence, of racism, prejudice, and oppression would surely be transformed through this kind of seeing. Sadly, we know that that's not how it goes in our world. My own country bears agonizing testimony to the darkness that comes from the refusal to see others as they really are, when the color of a person's skin marks the limits of sight. The recent events in Ferguson, Missouri, suggest that this tragic story is not unique to South Africa. Because when the color of a person's skin, or for that matter, the language they speak, or the religion they follow, or their gender, or sexual orientation, or politics, or education, or socioeconomic situation are allowed to define who they are, then the beautiful gift of their personhood can be missed, and the truth of their humanity can easily be denied. This happens all the time. As the arbitrary labels we stick onto others limit us from truly saying to them, Sauerbohne. Labels like liberal or conservative, Democrat or Republican, Fox News or The Daily Show with Jon Stewart, Muslim or Christian, straight or gay, American or non-American, Seminoles or Gators. (laughs) By the way, I'm looking for a team to support, so which of those would you recommend? (laughs) Gators, Seminoles? Glenn, maybe what we can do for the fall stewardship campaign, we'll auction my support. (laughs) How's about that? This incapacity to see beyond the surface of who people are is matched by a strange reluctance to be seen as we really are. I must tell you, I was in two minds whether or not to wear this clerical shirt, which we wear back home, because I know that it's not really the practice here, and you might think it odd. Well, the truth is, I am odd, so let's just get that out the way. Okay. But our Facebook profiles and posts present an embossed picture, don't they? 
of how we would like to be seen because deep down we fear that who we really are is way too dull for others to find interesting. How sad and how utterly revealing that we do not see even ourselves as we really are. All of this gets fueled by the advertising industry that expends hundreds of millions of dollars each year getting us to buy into an inherently false picture of who we are. In subtle ways, the essential message that we are bombarded with all the time is that we're not okay the way we are, that we're missing out on something, but all of that can change if we just buy or use this or that product. It is, of course, a lie, but it's a lie that we readily believe. Way back in the 1980s, there was a series of TV adverts in South Africa for a deodorant called Ego. The ads showed these wimpy-looking accountants in gray suits being dragged by hordes of hot, sexy, drop-dead gorgeous women into post boxes and elevators and other weird and wonderful places simply because they were wearing Ego. Now I have a confession to make. <laughs> this is kind of embarrassing. But as a teenager, in my adolescent fantasy world, those ads actually persuaded me to go out and buy a can of Ego deodorant. <laughs> I'm not sure what I was hoping was going to happen. Whatever it was, it didn't work, unfortunately. I just spent a lot of time hanging around post boxes. <laughs> I mean, how utterly ridiculous. And yet that sort of thing happens all the time. As we buy into the most arbitrary ideas and definitions of who we are, as we allow ourselves to be defined by the labels we use, as our identity becomes completely wrapped up in the groups to which we belong, all of which can get in the way of seeing the truth of who we and others are. It's true. We all wave our flags of many different kinds with passion and pride and there's certainly a time and place for that. But friends, how attached are we to the exclusive and limited identity that flag-waving always brings? I see, for instance, that there are flags even in the sanctuary. And I'm sure that for many of you, there is a deep and beautiful connection with them. But I wonder what influence their presence may have on our ability to hear the invitation of the gospel to let go of every limited identity, every inadequate label, every constraining idea of who we are, so as to discover the fuller, deeper truth of who we and others really are in God. In response to all of this, our scripture readings today speak good news. 
Because if we listen carefully, we can hear in them a gracious, hopeful, and liberating word spoken by God who says to each one of us, to you and to me today, Sawabona, I see you. This is how Isaiah puts it in our Old Testament reading. He says, listen up, all of you. Pay attention, you who are far away. You've got to hear this. The Lord called me before I was born. While I was in my mother's womb, he named me. He said to me, you are my servant in whom I will be glorified. Truly, I am honored in the sight of the Lord. How remarkable that even while hidden in the womb, he was seen. How amazing that long before doing anything, before any accomplishments, before any decisions, before any affirmations of faith, his deepest identity and purpose was recognized, to be a servant. And not just to the tribes of Israel, this servant was given as a light to the nations. This life would shine so that others might see. So who is this passage referring to? Who exactly is the servant? Isaiah himself? The nation of Israel? The returning exilic community? The promised Messiah? Somebody else, perhaps? The truth is we don't know for sure. And maybe that's precisely the point. That this passage conveys a deep truth for everyone who might be a servant of the Lord, which includes you and me. The question is, can you claim the truth of the story for your life? Can you dare to believe that God sees you completely? That even before you were born, you were seen by a God who recognized your promise, your potential, your purpose within this world. Can you claim as true the beautiful affirmation that you are honored and cherished in the sight of the Lord? Our gospel reading today presents us with two beautiful sawabona moments. The first comes through the startling testimony of John, who sees Jesus and says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The whole purpose of John's ministry was to point people to Jesus, to help reveal Jesus to Israel. His work was to draw people through the waters of baptism into a new way of seeing so that the Son of God would be recognized when he came. And when he sees the Spirit descend like a dove and remain on Jesus... He boldly declares, now I have seen and I testify that this is the Son of God. It was for John a sawabona moment. The second involved Simon. His brother had told him that they had found the Messiah and he had gone along to have a look-see. What he encounters is someone who sees him who says to him, you are Simon, you are to be called 
Peter. It was like Jesus was saying to him, Sawabona, Simon. Sawabona, Peter. And in that grace-filled moment of being truly seen, Simon Peter's life and world was forever changed. Friends, that's the hope and promise of the gospel for you and me today. That as we seek to see the Lamb of God, we discover that we are seen in return as we truly are. May the knowledge of who it is that speaks that word of Sawabona to us help us to trust all that it means that we have been seen, that we have been called to be a light to the nations, radiating the image of God to the world so that the truth, the beautiful truth of who others really are may also be seen. Many years ago, I was in Berlin, Germany, and got to see a performance of Handel's Messiah. When the soloists walked out onto the stage at the start of the concert, I couldn't believe my eyes. For the bass soloist that evening was a man by the name of Thomas Kwasthoff, who was barely four feet tall with severe physical deformities. His one leg was significantly shorter than the other, and he didn't have proper arms, just shortened stumps with finger-like protrusions at the end. He hobbled onto the stage and perched on a specially designed high chair with his short leg dangling to the sides. It was an almost comical, certainly tragic sight that was difficult to look at. But friends, I tell you, Thomas Kwasthoff could sing. And when he opened his mouth, only gold poured forth, a deep, resonant bass, the like of which I had never heard before, singing about the love and mercy of the Messiah. Right at the end of the concert, just before the final chorus, he sang the last solo. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. And yes, in that moment it was true for me. For in the twinkling of an eye, I caught a sacred glimpse of what it is that God always sees. And I was changed. For that evening I saw a deformed dwarf hobble onto the stage, but I stood and clapped and cried and cheered as I watched the giant walking off. And I found myself uttering what I knew were the words of the living God as I whispered quietly in my heart, I see you. I see you. Thank God. I see you.
Friends, that's my fervent prayer and hope. That in this time that Lee and I are with you, those liberating words would be the words that all of us truly hear and the words that all of us truly speak more and more to the honor and glory of God in whose image we have all most surely been made. Amen. Let's be quiet for just a moment. Holy and gracious God, you see us. You see us completely. You see us as we really are. And your love for us knows no bounds. You see us and you declare that we are honored and cherished in your sight. May we come to claim the truth of that good news. We thank you that you see us not only for who we are, but also for all that we are still to become. And that with your seeing us, you call us to be your servants, to be a light unto the nations, to shine your image within the world. May that be true for us here in this church at Hyde Park UMC. And may we so live out who we are And may we so recognize others for who they are that you would be seen and that you would be known in this place and may it all be to the honor and glory of your name. Amen.